episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 16, Out in the Cold. The original air date for this episode was February 16th, 1987. It was directed by Cliff Bowl and written by Stephen Cronish. Um, why don't we describe the episode in brief? All right. Uh, in this episode, while out skiing, MacGyver inadvertently picks up a piece of microfilm evidence that, uh, in a case of mistaken identity. Right. So these, uh, this group of gangsters are after him. Right. And uh, why don't we describe it a little more in depth? Uh, in this episode, we, we, we basically just start off up on a mountain skiing. Right. Like MacGyver's dressed... He always dress, dresses so flamboyantly, like when he's mountain climbing or skiing, like yeah. bright, bright colors. Um, but what was surprising was that it didn't seem – they weren't using footage of other skiers. It seems like a lot of times it was him it's skiing. It's actually him. Yeah, it looks yeah. like Yeah. Uh, he, he actually seems to know what he's doing, especially when he, he skis down the mountain when Pete is – like it's it, they're both up there on the mountain and Pete's struggling like to just even move. And yeah. MacGyver just sweeps down the mountain and, like, skids to a halt. He's adding insult to injury. He yeah. just throws a big pile of snow over the top of Dana while he's sitting there on the ground. Ugh, I can't stand people who do stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> like, this is like the quintessential 80s ski jerk. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, uh, what you doing? It's a ski jerk reaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the two of them are screwing around on the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, there's a car full of gangsters yeah um that are waiting in a nearby parking lot with binoculars watching the hill binox binox this is the second time we like like in like the last couple episodes we've gotten binox give me the binox how, how do i use these <laughs> um and they're watching for an agent named phil who they know to be carrying a microfilm as mm-hmm. he skis down the hill yeah um, he, he is a former employer of mr leland who's the head of this little group anyway it seems like a, a needlessly complicated place for a microfilm transaction like it just feels yeah. like it's basically a throwback to the bond films that incorporate skiing a lot of mm-hmm. the time um well and and the fact that these gangsters have have their books and stuff on microfiche kind of like yeah, yeah, strips yeah. like it's is that how they kept books uh, yeah it's hard to say or or maybe they just keep it in in the ledger and someone was sneaking out this stuff to incriminate mm, them. That could be. That actually makes more sense. Yeah. Because supposedly Phil is going to talk to the feds, and right. he's waiting for his contacts. And uh, of the of the team of gangsters, one of them, Arnie, is actually on the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his his plan is to basically intercept the microfilm transaction that they think is going to happen here. Right. And um, but but Phil spots him first and realizes that he has to get rid of the film sooner. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's when he just has an immediate run-in with MacGyver. Like, I think he probably saw them from afar, but he slides down the mountain under the guise that he's out of control yeah. and crashes into MacGyver, and, like, they have a tumble, and their poles, like, kind of get all mixed up. Yeah, and as uh, as he's picking up all the, the ski poles to hand them back to MacGyver, you can see him kind of looking at each of them and making mm-hmm. sure that he's actually handing over one of them. Yeah, because uh, uh, we didn't mention, but... He, he had taken the microfilm out of his jacket at one point right. and, and slid it down the, the hollow part of a, the pole. Right. He took off, like, the, the rubber grip. Yeah. So but now, it does seem like his plan initially was to go to this hill and to give this to an FBI agent. Right. Who we never see yeah, or that, potentially that dies the in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, that, that person could be buried there with the other two bodies. Uh, but as soon as the transaction is made, mm-hmm. Phil, the... The skier who's handing off the microfilm uh, heads on his way and starts coming back down the hill again. And uh, the actor Arnie uh, is played by Robert Pastorelli, um, who played a major character in Murphy Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, he decides, okay, now's my chance to interrupt this Phil guy and get the microfilm on behalf of my boss Sam Leland, who's one of the people in the car. Right. And uh, and he just plays it off like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, you should try Hooters Run or whatever. Yeah, like he's, he, it's like he's really trying to hammer home that he doesn't know who this person is. Yeah, but he's being like way too calm for someone who's got a gun pointed at them, mm-hmm. who's like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll see you later, bye. Yeah, you should try to go down and get, get yourself a hot dog. Yeah. You know, just relax. 
Yeah, just kick back. And so he tries to ski away, and uh, and Arnie just shoots him in the back and kills him. Yeah. He just goes tumbling through um, some trees and then falls out into the snow. And then uh, Arnie just starts scouring the body for this microfilm. Mm. Meanwhile, MacGyver just skis down right past him. Yeah, like because MacGyver's MacGyver and Pete have gone back down, but MacGyver said he was going to do one more run. Right. So he just comes off the the chairlift at the top. Right. And starts making his way down. But the gun being fired was loud enough to trigger an avalanche. Yeah. And so we're getting these close up shots of of this ice cap breaking at the top of the hill. We get, which we get, yeah. And we get like low rumbling. Yeah. Like throughout all these scenes. And I'm not sure that this was shot for the episode. It kind of looks like it could have possibly come from a movie like you said a movie about an avalanche or something yeah Paramount the, had. The, the footage looks old yeah and it it obviously looks like fake yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it i'm like 90 percent certain it's fake yeah but um some of the the actual avalanche footage could be real sure yeah, um yeah. It, it's hard to tell because we, we we switch between like obvious miniatures and uh Composite fake snow shots, so. yeah People skiing down a hill and then just a wave of snow that doesn't seem to actually be making contact with them goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's altogether, it looks pretty decent. Yeah. And, um... Arnie, like, has this horrifying scream. Yeah, he gets hit the hardest and first. Yeah. And then, um, and they're obviously Phil's dead now. And MacGyver <laughs> he is, is getting now. wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he wasn't dead from the gunshots, he is now. And, uh, MacGyver get, takes a wipe out, um, when, yeah. the, when the avalanche catches up on him. Yeah, Pete, Pete's watching him from down below and yeah. trying to, like, go, come on, MacGyver, you can make it. And then when MacGyver takes the tumble in the snow, Pete just gives this really terrible line reading of, like, Oh, no! Like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah, like he like he, like he, he just, like, missed something. Like, he missed an opportunity, like, yeah. at the grocery store. Or... He just found out he forgot it's, like, his worst enemy's birthday and he didn't go to the party. Like, yeah. Oh, shoot, I forgot. <laughs> um... I, I don't know, I felt like they could have gotten a little bit more out of that scene, but... Yeah. Um, and, MacGyver! Uh, <laughs> it's MacGyver! <laughs> uh, <laughs> inside joke. That's how he always says it. He always says it. MacGyver! <laughs> Hafar! <laughs> um, uh, that's the end of, like, the first act, and then when we come back from the commercial, it's basically MacGyver trapped in this small pocket. And it's not clear if the pocket was there or if he, like, pushed the pocket open around yeah. himself. Um, but yeah, so he's trapped in the snow. He's making room to start experimenting. The first experiment is figuring out which way is up. Yeah. Because he tells a story about how um, one time he got he wiped out in a wave and he couldn't tell which way was up until he got a handful of sand when mm-hmm. he thought he was swimming for the surface. And so in, in this case, the the test that he develops is to just um grab a handful of snow and hold it up in the pocket where he can see it which he shouldn't be able to see anything yeah he shouldn't be able to see because he's underground and then see which way it falls but maybe maybe we can only see for for the sake of it being a television show and it is pitch black in there yeah and but he's feeling it hit his chest okay yeah, i was gonna say like yeah he still wouldn't the, the experiment still wouldn't work otherwise yeah yeah uh pete goes for help and uh they're basically telling just Pete, like, he's like, well, we'll do what we can, but Pete, and you should go way back down to the lodge. But Pete says that I know exactly, I saw where he went down, I, I I, can lead you to where he is. We can, you can coordinate your search in a much better area. And then they give him his own little ski-doo yeah. to try and follow them out there. Um, uh, and they're, they're prodding the ground with these metal poles. I don't, I mean, I don't know what avalanche procedure is, like, when you're looking for someone buried, but... I don't know. It is like it just doesn't seem like the most accurate way to search for a body. Yeah. So they're just stabbing them into the snow, mm-hmm. and it's like when it hits something hard, it's like, well, that's either the ground or a body or a rock. Uh, I guess, should we dig up every single rock that we hit? Yeah. I um, I, I don't get what the purpose is. Yeah. Um, because even if you impacted someone's body, like they wouldn't be able to like indicate to you that. Especially if they're unconscious or something. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, this is what they were doing for the sake of the show. And so, meanwhile, MacGyver is sort of developing the next part of his plan, which is he's going to take one of his ski poles, I guess not the one that had the microfilm in it, the other one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. 
because right. the whole tube has to be empty. Mm-hmm. If he had grabbed the other one, then he would have just blown that microfilm out, and that would have been the end of the episode. <laughs> but so he takes the uh, the micro the microfilm free ski pole. He takes the handle off the end of it, um, and then he tucks basically a scarf into it that he's tied into a knot to make mm-hmm. a tiny parachute like yeah. he would have on like one of those little toy soldiers. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uses and a zipper, like the weight on a zipper. As the as the soldier, mm-hmm. um, and then he tucks it into the ski pole, and somehow he's he has enough room in this tiny pocket around him to to angle a five foot ski pole up and then poke it through the snow. He's like, like there should be five feet between him and the ceiling of that cavern. Yeah, and and, and like five foot that are those, those poles don't seem like they're five feet. Well, that's what they call it later. They say it's five foot, um, and then he uh, he just starts blowing as hard as he can into one end of it. And it just hurts my cheeks seeing him do it because mm-hmm. it makes me think of like, you know, when you're trying to inflate a something that's not cooperative, or you're trying yeah. to blow as hard as you can into a balloon, and your cheeks get all sore. Um, but he's pushing as hard as he can into this thing. And uh, meanwhile, outside, the woman coordinating the search and rescue is telling Pete that um, that some of the other uh, rangers in the area are having to plant explosives at the top of the hill because. The unstable nature of this mountain could potentially cause an avalanche that would mm. bury the ski lodge and the entire town below. Which, that's yeah. not how ski it's, villages work. Like, yeah, it's, you don't build them close enough to a mountain to be covered in the avalanche. And you wouldn't plant explosives to prevent an avalanche. You plant explosives to cause an avalanche, a smaller one, so that a larger one doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so it. it but if apparently this avalanche is so eminent that they can't even look for a person who's going to die if they stop looking for him right now. Yeah. And so she's saying, we got to go. They told us to get out of here. And then Pete's like, well, what are we going to do? I know he's right here. We could save him. And she says, look, I lost two friends this way. I know how you feel. And it's like, oh, my God, I would not want to be your friend if you give up that yeah. looking for me. And he's like, can we just have five more minutes? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll just let him know. And then she calls them up, and she's like, hey, can we have five more minutes? And they're like, you got three, because they're stingy for no reason. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... It's like, they're really, really in a hurry to, to detonate these explosives. Yeah. But maybe, it's like, maybe they're, maybe they're like, cold-sensitive. They they get more unstable the longer they're in cold. Or the people are just cold-sensitive. They're like, I don't want to be standing up here for three more minutes. It's just freaking cold up here, Find your man. body, or get out of the way. Everyone um, put on your corpse-handling gloves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find him in the spring. It's a lot easier when there's all the snow is out of the way. Yeah. Um, we just wait for, we just look for the crows. Yeah. So Pete's digging away for these last three minutes, and suddenly um, uh, MacGyver gets enough pressure behind this parachute to launch that little napkin up out of the mm-hmm. top of the pole, and it parachutes down right in front of Pete. And, uh, and then Pete draws everyone's attention to where MacGyver's ski pole is still sticking up out of the snow. And they're able to dig him out. It, it seems to me that if he had enough room to do all this manipulation with the ski pole, yeah, I would have put the parachute at the short at the shorter distance end, and then blown into the opposite side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that would have made more sense. But you know, um, yeah. So they see the the little parachute come down. But first of all, it comes down way far away from where the, it, Pete's already standing. Yeah, the far wind away. takes it pretty far away from where he actually blew it out. Yeah, but um, it was enough that that. Uh, manages to see the ski pole. Well, it looks like Pete ground. actually sees it come out, too. Yeah. So he, he saw where it came from in addition to where it landed. Um, and uh, they just start uh, they just start digging. Um, I mean, I guess that's the only way you, thing you can do. It just but seems... it does look like they're taking sharp metal shovels and yeah, just this... throwing them into the ground as yeah, hard as yeah. they can. And uh, they, they pull MacGyver out by his feet. They just drag him, kind of drag him out of the hole. Yeah. And uh, But they do recover his other ski pole. For the sake Thank of God. plot. Yeah. <laughs> Go back into that, that little crevice and get the ski pole. It actually might have made more sense or it would have factored into the plot if he had found the microfilm when he was doing that. Yeah. Like if he took the handle off and then and then suddenly this thing fell out. He's like, what is this? And he just puts it in his pocket because mm-hmm. he doesn't know. But because uh, it doesn't make any sense that they would dig around through the snow to find his other pole. Yeah. And make sure that he gets both of his poles back. Well, those things are expensive though. And his skis. Yeah. Like he, he got everything back. Yeah, he got everything back. He even got his money back, <laughs> because I would ask for my money back in that situation. Um, uh, but majeure. 
Pete's pointing out, oh, well, you almost died. We have to take you to the hospital. See how dangerous skiing is? Mm-hmm. Like, you, uh, you, It's not nearly as safe as good old-fashioned walking. See? One foot in front of the other, and then he mm-hmm. breaks his leg. Uh, it's and awful. it makes a really loud, awful crack sound. And, uh, and, and MacGyver kind of jokes, like, well, I guess i got to get you to the hospital. And then we get one of those little closing, like, dun-dun-dun-dun. Like, like, it's like, okay, yeah. that's... that's the end of the episode? Yeah. Because this, this seems... is the first 12 minute episode of MacGyver. It it seemed like this is where you would end it, like on a joke. Yeah. And, and then we cut right to, you know, the that exterior shot of MacGyver's balcony, and then we move into the apartment where, because Pete's place is getting fumigated, mm-hmm. um, he's going to have to stay with MacGyver during his recuperation. Yeah. And so he's got a giant cast on his right leg, and he's got, like, his jeans, jeans are torn to yeah. make room for the cast on his leg. And he's being rolled around in a wheelchair. Yeah, so he... he or he's he, on crutches, I guess. Yeah, he's on crutches for, for this part, yeah. And But he just immediately starts uh, complaining about everything. Yeah. Like, you know, you haven't dusted in here. It's like, oh, you got these potatoes. MacGyver's using potatoes uh, to power an alarm clock. Yeah. And Pete's like, oh, you're going to get bugs if you leave those potatoes sitting out. Yeah, potato bugs. Gross. Yeah, oh, yeah potato bugs are frightening. Yeah, they're terrifying. Where'd all these potato bugs come from? Let's take a quick recess. Um, oddly enough, not related to potatoes, as far as I know. I think they actually are evolutionary related to potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to go really far back. Like sludge. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the, bu- the building blocks of life. Right. MacGyver makes it like a joke. That's, well, I tried running it off tomatoes, but they ran fast. Yeah. Um, and we kind of cut back and forth now to... Uh, Mr. Leland back at his hideout, which is a like a giant laundromat. It's like a, it's not like a laundromat. It's like a whole like laundry facility. Yeah, it's like if you've um, seen Breaking Bad. It's yeah. Like all the machines they have in Breaking Bad and those in those seasons. <laughs> those seasons of Breaking Bad. Well, there's like two or three seasons that fa- that uh, enormous laundromat factors into. Oh really? The, the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. You still see, haven't seen any. I have not seen a single frame of right, Breaking well, Bad. Check it out. We'll check it out. Um, and uh, Mr. Leland is telling the most interesting man in the world to go and find the microphone. And we call him the most interesting man in the world because this is actually Jonathan Goldsmith from the Dos Equis campaign, <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. So he, he might he doesn't always appear on television. But when well, he, he does, does, it's he, on MacGyver. It's on MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get him on this show. Yeah, we do. Um, because I want to hear his most interesting stories. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, the, the really the, the purpose of the scene is really uh, like just to let the audience know that these guys are still looking for him. Uh, there's not really much as far in the way of plot, except that they say the the microfilm has has proof that the guy's been skimming from the the bookie that he runs or whatever. He he seems like he's just like a small time like, local area boss. Like, he's not the big guy in town. He's yeah. just, like, some local kind of slumlord kind of guy. And uh, But he's been he's been stealing and, for some reason, took photographic evidence or Phil took photographic evidence and of left with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just remembering on the... Because uh, Jonathan Goldsmith, the most interesting man in the world, did a uh, an AMA on Reddit. Oh, he did? And the number one question was, what do you think of Chuck Norris? And his response was, he was a very good student, <laughs> which is just perfect. That, that, that is a great response. I wonder if he had that ready. I'm sure he did, or at least he's, he's used that in conversation before. Um, and also, we should say the, the Michael Constantine character who's playing Sam Leland, who mm-hmm. is like the boss of this mafia operation, um, is in a bunch of stuff. Um, I think we've mentioned on the podcast before that he was the, the patriarch of the uh, family from... Uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. And and that was in our episode devoted to Season 1, Episode 3, Thief of Budapest, where he plays the Hungarian Inspector Messick. Um, so this is his second appearance, I think, and last appearance on MacGyver. I, I think so, yeah. I don't, rem- I don't remember seeing any of the credits on him. Yeah. Um, but uh, back at MacGyver's place, uh, lunch is ready. Right. And, and MacGyver has prepared a tofu casserole. We should mention other things that happened before the lunch, though, in terms of Pete being annoying. Oh, okay. That all, that all factor into your theory of why Pete's oh, wife left him. The, the shaved ice? Yeah. He, uh, he asks for a ginger ale, 
was it a ginger ale? It was ginger ale, yeah. And then uh, when when MacGyver brings it to him, he says, "This line is so great. I just love the fact that he like reiterates it needlessly." But he says, "Oh, well, typically ginger ale is served over shaved ice, not cubed." These are cubes. <laughs> like, it's not necessary to say that part. He knows that they're cubed. He understood your your complaints. Mm-hmm. And it's like. I can shave some ice for you. No, 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 it's fine. I don't want you waiting on me. Yeah. And then he just kind of like sighs and it's like, but a blanket would be nice. Yeah. Right. Let me get that for you. And then when, when food is ready, he brings out this giant casserole dish full of tofu. Tofu. It doesn't look like it's anything else except tofu. It just looks like refried beans, (laughs) but it's supposed to be tofu and he sits it in the middle of the table and my wife was saying when we were watching it like that's really like insulting like even if like okay not everybody likes tofu some people do some people don't Mm -hmm. but you would at least warn the person by the way literally all i have is just a big bucket of tofu and we're both gonna eat it with spoons well pete did enjoy a big uh bowl of cold bean curd yeah bean curd's different though bean curd is delicious (laughs) i like it cold he should have had some of that i don't know why. yeah exactly he knows what pete's like like how does he not know pete by now um, yeah, like, like, did he not, did he expect Pete to eat it, really? Yeah. I think this was all ploy to get, uh, him to buy Chinese food. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's tricking Pete into offering to pay. <laughs> no, I'm willing to eat all this sand. What, do you want something else? Are you going to pay for it? Um, so then Pete basically just says, look, can we just get Chinese food? I'll pay mm-hmm. for it. And then MacGyver's like, okay, but you have to tell him to hold the MSG. And I'm sure he didn't. No. Yeah, because he's kind of like laughing to himself yeah. the whole time. He's just super excited that he's tricked him into getting Chinese food. So then MacGyver heads out to get the Chinese food. Yeah, um, and there's a weird situation, and it took me a, a couple of, of... I had to rewind it a couple of times to, to get exactly what happened. Because MacGyver's at the Chinese restaurant, and but so is the most interesting man. Right. And he is then joined by the third goon, Willie, and he says, so what are we doing here? It's like, well, I followed them to the Phoenix Foundation... And now I followed them, like, through this Jeep. It's like, but they took Pete... He said, like, he took Pete's car and followed him to the Phoenix Foundation, and then they took the Jeep back. I, I, it was, like, weird... It's a really weird thing, and basically the way I had, like, I had to make notes of it is that they must have... MacGyver must have taken his Jeep to the Foundation, and then they took Pete's car back to, to the mountain. Oh, okay. And then... When they came back to the Phoenix Foundation, they got back in MacGyver's Jeep to go back to MacGyver's. Correct. Place. Okay. And like, because like, there was like this whole because they were waiting at the Phoenix Foundation for Pete's car, because that's the car that they saw them leaving from the mountain. Right, right, right. And so I was like, well, wait a minute, how did he know that about this Jeep then? Uh, so I had to kind of rewatch that. Yeah. But it's flawless. This, right. This they, they they patched it all up. It yeah. works. Um, and you pointed out the sign in the window of this Chinese restaurant. Yeah, it, this is such a, like a nitpicky thing because. Um, the air date for this is in a... It's February of 87. Yeah. And uh, the the sign was still up for the previous year uh, at the Chinese restaurant for the Year of the Tiger, because the new year would have been on the 29th. Right. Uh, so they still had the... So this is... Filmed in... This 18 was days late. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, clearly filmed uh, within the time of still the Year of the Tiger. Yeah. Um, but more than likely, this Chinese restaurant just hasn't changed up their sign yet I, I don't know i feel like they're usually on the ball yeah i mean they it's a big celebration mm-hmm. and then when we're in macgyver's apartment we're seeing a december calendar on the back of the wall that's true which yeah. is even further back yeah it's been it's been december on that calendar since uh phoenix under siege yeah phoenix under siege was like the end of december too so that really should have been i mean that was the 11th episode this is the 16th so it's been five weeks. There's no reason it would still be the same month. Yeah, yeah. He's he's well. It's hard to find those magnetic calendars. I, I guess. guess. Yeah, they probably stopped making them in '86 anyway. <laughs> Your last year for these oddly magnetic calendars. Yeah. So, MacGyver comes out of the restaurant, and he already seems displeased with the food. Yeah. Um, but he starts probably because they, they he was like, oh, I don't need soy sauce, and they were like. No, the person on the phone was very insistent that we get lots of soy sauce, and it's like, well, I asked for no MSG. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um, but he starts munching on, uh, I'm assuming, some of those like crispy noodles that usually yeah. comes with it. Um, and uh, 
Willie and Jack grab him and force him into their van. Yeah. And uh, basically, like, they just start grilling him about they, they know where Pete is, and if he doesn't cooperate, they're going to go back for him. And uh, so MacGyver just kind of plays it off like, okay, well, you know, we'll, I'll get you what you want. Um, and starts, like, like pretending to eat food. Like, he's like, mind if I eat? I'm starving. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, classic MacGyver, like, he's biding his time while he starts peeling away some uh, soy sauce packets. Right. He's he's got a egg roll and he's and he says, "Oh, you can't have this without the soy sauce, mm-hmm. right?" I've never seen an egg roll that big either, by the way. I think um, I have. I like generally when I get egg rolls they're super tiny and I always feel like I'm getting cheated. Well, you are getting cheated at times. <laughs> you need to stop going to the same place every time. I want a gigantic egg roll. It's delicious. Um so MacGyver just sprays Jack uh in the face with soy sauce yeah it's like, and then when the driver's like what's going on back there and he's got the same perfect aim to get that yeah. driver straight in the eye and it uh, just looks like squirt gun pressure like mm-hmm. soy sauce blast in the face oh it's got a sting really yeah um and so that you know, obviously willie driving the van crashes it immediately and macgyver just makes a run for it um but it doesn't matter because they know where he lives how do they know that um because they... They oh, followed he, the Jeep back to the house first? Well, no, no. He, um... When he saw MacGyver... I, I guess when MacGyver went to the restaurant... Yeah. Uh, while he was inside, Jack got his registration. Oh, okay. Because he said, when they come out of the van, he says, I lifted the registration for MacGyver's Jeep. So... We know where he lives. Yeah. So he must have gone gone over to the Jeep while he was in the restaurant. That's the only right, thing I that can makes make. Sense. And so when they get back there, they find Pete. Right. Mobile, you know, rear window style. Yeah, and, and uh, just tear the place apart, and then grab Pete mm-hmm. essentially. Because when by the time MacGyver gets back to his house, it's destroyed. Yeah, I, I'd like to think that that Pete's just sitting there the whole time while they're tearing apart, and he's like, "Hey, stop! Hey, cut it out, guys! Oh no! <laughs> oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> he's but, like, "I'm gonna unscrew this microscope into several pieces." <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> they search they, yeah they take apart the microscope thinking that there might be something inside but they don't take apart the ski poles right um uh yeah so obviously macgyver arrives after all this and sees that the apartment's been destroyed and as soon as he gets there they call him on the phone yeah as if they somehow know that he's back in the apartment i'm i just assume that they kept calling <laughs> yeah this is like about, the 17th call um and uh they tell Mac- MacGyver to bring the microfilm to the laundromat. And he's like, I still don't know what you're talking about. And then he starts having flashbacks to the avalanche. And mm-hmm. he remembers this guy crashed into me. We were all holding ski poles at one point. Oh, you know what? I remember that I came home with one that wasn't mine. Let me check in this. And then he yeah. finds it. Yeah, like they, they do a good like audio cue where he's kind of t- tilting it back and forth. And you can just hear like the shh, And so he pops it off, sees the microfilm. And he wants to look at it. Why I don't really know. It. it I was just it, curious what they're after. Yeah. Doesn't seem doesn't seem really relevant. Yeah. Um, unless like maybe if if it was like nuclear codes, he should, you know, say sorry, Pete. This has to go to the CIA or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's just he uses like kind of a weird thing. You were mentioning it. Yeah. So he takes the this microscope has been disassembled, but it still obviously has the slides and light piece all together. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the microfilm, he puts it between two slides, and then he adds a drop of water above the slide as a sort of a magnifying lens. Yeah, something he did in uh, the Viva Buddha Pest as well. Right. And then he's so he's looking down through it that way, um, so that he can see what it is. And he's close enough that, and I guess for whatever reason he has experience with, like bookie. Mm-hmm. pages he's got a horrible gambling problem yeah that's why he he knew his way around that uh the horse track and twice stung a little bit better than he should have mm-hmm. but um so he he flips through a couple of the slides he figures out oh, okay this is like gambling debts and mafia skimming i yeah. know what's going on here and uh and then he tucks the whole thing back in it's like gel cap suppository case <laughs> that it came out of the the ski pole in and then uh and then just tucks it in a pocket and leaves, or yeah, yeah, he I mean, brings it with him, right? Yeah, he brings it with him. I guess in case he does need to have some sort of an exchange, if he, just, yeah. if he doesn't have a plan, um, better to have it with him than to not have it at all. I feel like if you're MacGyver, you probably have some microfilm that you can swap out for it or something mm. at your house, or yeah. something that you could just fake a microfilm to put in the same thing. Yeah, 
but he doesn't do that. He just brings the actual film. Um, and then, the, so now at the laundry factory, it's it's really more of a factory kind of environment because yeah, like yeah. they've got like big industrial cleaning and washing and drying machines and yeah. uh, a whole system of. Uh, uh, like dry cleaning rack train tracks. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. they even have like a, a switch track board that he, he manipulates, I guess, to take, he, he lifts, he manipulates it to take him deeper into the facility. Right. But I don't understand why he had to do that. Like, is that, was, is that the very next scene? He's, he's already, yeah, yeah. He, he, he kind of climbs over the fence and how and does he figure out where they are? He, well, they tell him, they tell him to come oh, down they to the say cleaning to come plant. There. Okay. And um, then he gets into a big laundry bag, hooks it up, to the ceiling and mm-hmm. then like you said manipulates the machinery so that it automatically carries this bag through the through the factory into the back right so they hear sounds up at the front as it's getting loaded up and so um uh sam sends these two guys out to find him mm-hmm. and they end up going past him because he's hanging right. from the ceiling yeah and he he has the it's, it's these type of bags that you have like a drawstring so like once the bag is over a bin, you can just pull the string and everything that's in the bag falls out. Yeah. So MacIver has has pulled the drawstring into the bag with him, and he waits for Willie to kind of like come by, and then he just basically just drops down from above him. He doesn't land on him. He he misses him, but it's enough of a surprise that he gets a punch in. Yeah. And, uh, and then he like awkwardly and painstakingly like loads Willie into a dryer. Yeah. He's really, you can see he's really exhausted doing it because he's like lifting him up. He's like, Ugh. and you hear Willie groaning the whole time. He's like trying to flip him into this dryer. And I'm sure nobody came back looking for this guy, so he probably got killed in that dryer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he seals him in tight. Yeah. And so now Jack is still wandering around, and uh, MacGyver's just starting like starting up machines, I guess, to to just kind of lead him on a path that he needs him to go on. And so then suddenly MacGyver has the jump on him and pushes this laundry cart mm-hmm. straight at him as fast as he can. And he and doesn't really have it. time to react. He Yeah, he gets knocked up into the air, falls into the basket, and drops his gun outside of the basket. It's, like, pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. And the angle they have, like, the shot is pretty great yeah. of him falling into the basket. But apparently in the in the course of falling into the basket, he's sort of disoriented or knocked unconscious a right, little bit. Right, right. Because MacGyver has time to take the bag that was in the basket hook it up to the same machinery, and lift him up to the ceiling where he can't get away. Yeah, but he has, like, this weird moment of hesitation. Yeah. Where, like, he hooks the bags up to the hooks, like, okay, that's enough. But and then, then he looks he's got over... his hand right over the button, and he's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then he pushes the button. Uh, <laughs> it was like, he was, like, admiring his own handiwork before. Yeah. Like, this is pretty great. And then the most interesting laundry in the world is slowly getting lifted up <laughs> into the sky and just, like, freaking out and shouting, help, help, help. And so... Uh, that's when uh, Leland comes to try and assist them because mm-hmm. at this point he's figured out, okay, well, okay, I've lost a couple goons already. Maybe I should be stepping in to see what's going on. Yeah, here. take take control of the situation. And uh, he gets kind of uh, caught off guard because MacGyver swings a bag of laundry from the ceiling at him. Yeah, but, he, but he's clinging to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's he a... jumps and grabs onto the back so that it's swinging directly at him. Yeah, and uh, Leland even takes a couple of shots at it. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the bullets don't can't yeah. get they, I, I, I assert that they couldn't get through that much I, laundry. I agree. And even if they could get the whole way through this bag, which looks like it's overstuffed with laundry, yeah. that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fast enough to break the skin on the other end. It exactly. would hurt. It would be like a bulletproof vest mm-hmm. situation. But um but he slams into Leland and knocks him backwards into this chain link cage basically yeah. that uh, would serve no purpose in this facility. Yeah, I, it looks like it's where they keep like barrels of maybe maybe barrels of chem- chemicals or something, but yeah. um there's no lock or anything on it. Like right. it's just it's just a little clasp. One of those little like yeah. clasps for the door. And so MacGyver closes the thing shut, grabs an axe, <laughs> cuts open a power line <laughs> with the axe. Insane. Yeah, like that that could kill you doing that part. And then he just grabs the power line and bends it over toward the chain link fence yeah. so that this whole thing has become electrified. Yeah, it, it's it's basically Goldfinger with odd job. Yeah. Like he just touches the the metal to the chain link fence, and we're assuming that the chain link fence is just going to be electrified by this because somehow the circuit is continuing through this whole building. Now. Exactly. Uh-huh. Seems like there's still a lot of options for him to get out of the cage. Yeah. Mostly because, as you pointed out, the door is not locked. Mm-hmm. And the guy's got, like, a jacket on. He's got a tie on. Like, yeah, He could yeah. easily just wrap his hands up, open the door, and walk out. 
but he's just terrified of getting anywhere near. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he could have like knocked the barrels like into the wire and knocked it loose. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there was any number of things he could have done to get out, but uh, he cho- he chose to not do any of them. Yeah, and instead just call MacGyver an idiot while he yeah. walked away. <laughs> we can make a deal. You get back idiot. here, stupid. <laughs> um, and so MacGyver finds Pete tied up and uh like says oh, let's call the police and so pete tries to get up and immediately slips and breaks his other leg right and i mean it's it's another funny like moment uh until we cut back and now pete's still living with macgyver yeah it's that much more depressing now because <laughs> now he can't walk at all so yeah. you know like the bathroom it's so much more work now for macgyver yeah like everything is like He's got to help him to the bathroom, and I'm sure he's got an Ogbesian in there. I, oh, what? I don't know what that is. Um, an Ogbesian is a tool that centaurs use to wipe their butts because they can't reach back there, according to an SNL sketch <laughs> with Chris Cornell <laughs> and I think Christopher Walken. Oh, is that the one where he asks, "Why would you be attracted to?" Yeah, a horse? would you be attracted to a horse? <laughs> Well, no, I'm attracted to other centaurs. Right, but if you just saw the end of a horse sticking, like, around a barn, and you couldn't see the front half, would you be attracted to it? Well, like, it's a hypothetical, I can't really say. Right, but you have no idea. Is it possible that you would find it attractive? Well, I I guess I might. It was a horse. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, how do you wipe your butt? Uh, We do have uh, an invention for that. It's called an Ogbesian. Um, I need to see the sketch. It's a great one. We'll throw it up on the on the website if this <laughs> if this stays in the cut. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Pete's already getting on his nerves again. Yeah, uh, now he's in a wheelchair and uh, where's that blanket from before? You still got that? Yeah, and, and MacGyver's apartment is miraculously cleaned completely. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't know when he, they found the time because. Uh, they're just getting back from the hospital. Right. This is a freshly set cast. Mm-hmm. Now, like, MacGyver probably hasn't gone home yeah. in this amount of time. Uh, but nonetheless, the apartment's back to normal. Yeah. Uh, so they probably filmed, you think they filmed this first before they destroy the apartment? And then they just left the set like that. <laughs> until it's, That's how they decide. Every time they have an episode where they need to destroy the set, they destroy the set and then Magoove MacGyver <laughs> to a different apartment. <laughs> Messed up my goof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's you know that's the that's the button for the episode is yeah like, that's pretty much it. Pete's complaining about getting ice cream. Yeah. And MacGyver says that he's gonna go get it. Yeah, he says, uh, "Oh, can we get some ice cream?" And he says, "No, we're not getting ice cream." And he says, he just starts doing a one man like he's just doing a monologue about ice cream and yeah. how great ice cream is, and then. <laughs> You see MacGyver's, like, taking off his leather jacket and then slowly starts putting it back on mm-hmm. again because he knows this isn't going to stop until he goes and gets some Rocky Road. Yeah. At which point I would have said to Pete, look, if you don't stop eating, your your legs are never going to support your body. <laughs> this is why you're in this situation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as I said before, my theory was this is why Pete's wife left him. Yeah. Uh, that it's just he's impossible to live with. Yeah. And he creates all of his own problems. He's telling MacGyver, you're going to have bugs all over this place because you're using potatoes. And it's like, whose house is getting fumigated right now? Mine or yours? Yeah, exactly. You're the one with the bugs, Pete. And generally, potatoes are just left out. Yeah. Like, you, when you buy a bag of potatoes, you don't put it in the freezer or anything. You just you just put it in a cupboard in a yeah. cool, dry place. That's the other reason that tomatoes wouldn't make a good clock. As, aside from moving fast, is tomatoes go bad really quickly. Yeah. But potatoes can just live on your counter. Mm-hmm. They'll grow into They'll, a yeah, whole exactly. potato tree. Uh, I assume potatoes grow on trees. <laughs> They're famously above ground grown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, 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 you pluck them on a hot summer's pluck day. Them, <laughs> take a nice big bite out of a juicy potato fresh from the potato tree. <laughs> like you do. So um, crisp and refreshing. <laughs> yeah, but this is a fun episode. It's kind of a weird episode because it's like two different ones... Like this, there's the, the ski, ski portion, and yeah, yeah. If the ski part had only been like one act or even half of an act, 
But it's like the first half of the episode. Yeah, it really is. Is this entire mountain scenario. It's kind of like Stripes, where it's like, you have an entire movie at the boot camp, mm-hmm. and then an entire movie after that. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's really just two movies that are put together. Um, that's the only really weird thing about it. Um, but otherwise, it's like a very North by Northwest, mistaken identity, uh, and just... Not, but it's not like an espionage kind of thing. And this is the first skiing we've gotten from the show, right? Yeah, I think so. I think like, it is. Yeah, because uh, otherwise it's all just been... Um, mountain climbing. Mountain climbing. Yeah, and, as far as nature goes. And, and Richard Dean Anderson can ski, clearly. Yeah. Ski well enough that they said, hey, Dana, can you sit here... Richard's gonna come down the mountain and ski around you, and ski around you, and like skid. Yeah, probably they probably said he's just gonna ski around you. Yeah. And then he comes down and does like the skid. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave it in. We're leaving that in. Secretly, Richard and Dana just hated each yeah. other. <laughs> this was just one of the first in a long, a laundry list of mm-hmm. attacks they had back and forth. But yeah, otherwise, you know, it was an okay episode. Um, I don't know. Like it, it, it didn't. Didn't really, didn't really like resonate with me, but it's certainly like not the worst episode we've seen. I would say but, it's not the most interesting episode in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really did like the soy sauce in the eyes gag. Like <laughs> that was just so ridiculous. Um, and I also like the way that Jack plays that scene, or the character of Jack plays yeah. that scene. That he's like. MacGyver's, like, eating this egg roll, and he tosses him a fortune cookie. He's like, why don't you see what your fortune is? And the guy's still got the gun drawn on him, but he's like, eh, screw it. I'll open this fortune yeah, yeah. and tell you what's going on. But he was so offended at the concept of eating an egg roll. Yeah, like, yeah, Get yeah. that away Get from that. me. Oh, my God. My mother was killed by egg rolls. <laughs> hey there. We just wanted to pop in with a quick announcement. In case you haven't already heard, um, apparently CBS is going to be rebooting MacGyver. So we're going to get, uh, at the very least, a pilot, but it sounds like they've ordered a full season of the show. Yeah. Um, and James Wan will be directing, who was at one point attached to direct the, the feature film mm-hmm. adaptation. I think we mentioned that before, too, on the on the show. Yeah, and, and he has done a bunch of stuff. He did um, the first Conjuring. Yeah. Um, he's doing the second Conjuring right now, and he um, is going to be doing Aquaman. He did Fast 7. Fast 7, yeah. So um, he's got he's got some cool credits. Um, and, and he's obviously a fan of the show too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he's laid out what his plans were for the feature film. So maybe some of that will have, um, an influence on what they end up doing for the TV show. But, um, as far as how that affects us, um, is kind of up in the air, depending on when they decide to start doing this show. Yeah. Um, TV shows can sometimes take as long as a year to put together, especially if it's like a high profile reboot, like, right. Right. Um, Hawaii Five O took a while before that officially came out. I don't know when the announcement came out, as far as in comparison to the actual premiere of the show. Right, we'll have to look back and see. But um, yeah, it's exciting to hear that there will be um, new MacGyvers um, with uh, with a, a non Richard Dean Anderson lead. It sounds like it's going to be early to mid twenties MacGyver, just starting out at the Phoenix Foundation, or maybe even DXS. They don't say specifically in yeah. the press release. It just says starting out at an organization. Right. So we're, we're going to be going back to a younger MacGyver. Right. Even, uh, I mean, even though where we are right now, MacGyver is supposedly pretty young. Yeah. Like still in his twenties, even though clearly not the case. Yeah. But, um, um, he's only been with the Phoenix Foundation for a short time. Yeah. Not even a whole are. season. Yeah. So, as far as like reboot, reboot, it's definitely it is definitely that. Yeah, and but I assume they're updating the timeline to the present, so we'll take out the Vietnam bomb defusal, and it'll be like a Hurt Locker backstory. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Like he did the same thing, but in Afghanistan or something. Um, but I'm yeah, kinda, oh, sorry, well, go ahead. I'm kind of curious about like what other characters they'll choose to bring back or choose not to bring back. That's true. If we're um, going to see a Penny Parker equivalent, or, or a Pete, or a Pete, or or, or Bruce McGill. They should just have Bruce McGill play the part. <laughs> you can have Bruce, you can have the same Jack Dalton. Bruce, because uh, see, Bruce McGill's on Rosalia and Isles, but because uh, he could just play the Pete character. Yeah, How that's great true. Would that be? Well, like, I, I think Richard Dean Anderson could play the Pete character too. That's true. That's true. I mean, you, you, you could work it out any number of ways, but um, either way, it's exciting news. Um, and, and I think we should point out that this isn't anything to do with the female. MacGyver. Right. This is completely separate from uh, Lee David Slotoff's, um uh, female MacGyver television series, which um, I haven't heard any right. motion as far as that moving forward. Um, 
it's still exciting news on either front. It'd be cool to see either one of those shows come together. Well, and there's no reason that this reboot couldn't be led by a female. Right. I, I, it, like, I, I absolutely have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, but it just seems strange that these are two separate projects. Yeah, that are just happening to coincide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be like if there was another Ghostbusters movie with a female coming out at the same time if, if they did it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so uh, exciting to hear that that'll be happening. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if it turns out that they intend to start running the show before we're finishing our reviews of the original run, I don't know exactly how we'll handle that at this juncture. Um, yeah. Either we'll start trying to push stuff out a little bit faster, in which case um, the editing might get uh, sort of abbreviated. We might start doing that a little bit um, quick and dirty to try and mm-hmm. get through the show before, so that we can review new episodes right. as they're coming out. Right, because we, we want to we want we'll want to keep that fresh. Right. So our intention would be um, with the new run of the series to try and be able to put out an episode the following morning. So if mm-hmm. you see an episode that night, the next morning at 6 a.m., hopefully we would have a recording yeah. and a cut. It would, it would obviously be a rough cut mm-hmm. because we're not giving ourselves as much time to do. I, I do a lot of editing on this show. Um, <laughs> yes, but, you do, uh, and I don't give you enough credit for that. <laughs> well, it, uh, it's not as hard as a lot of podcasts, but, um, but I, think, uh, I think this could be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I think um, it, it also opens up our podcast to a whole new audience yeah. in addition to oh, opening yeah. up just – and and then uh, you know hopefully uh, we'll, we're gonna capture some new listeners. Who yeah, are gonna yeah. Be curious about the MacGyver because uh, we are we are in a, at a time where there's you know 30 years of of people who have been born who don't even know who MacGyver is. Right. Yeah. And uh, now they will be curious to find out like who is this MacGyver? Which by the way I don't know if we mentioned it earlier but uh, MacGyver officially turned. 30 years old on right, exactly. uh, September 29th was the, I believe the 30th anniversary of the premiere of the sh- series. Mm-hmm. So, so that's fun. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun to have the show restarting now and, yeah. and who knows it could stay on the air for a while, you know, and like we said before the, the Hawaii Five-0 show has yeah. been running for I think six seasons now. Yeah, it's been doing really well. So, um, Hopefully they put the same kind of care into this. And I know James Wan, in addition to directing the pilot, could stay on for this, mm-hmm. some of the season. We don't know yet. Yeah. Um, generally, like from, from my experience in working in television pilots and uh, from what I see uh, on TV, generally when you have such a, like a high-profile director, they usually only they direct the pilot, maybe a couple episodes here and there. But the reason they direct the pilot is because usually it's worked out in their deal that – if they direct the pilot, even if they don't direct subsequent episodes, every episode that is created, they get a piece. I wonder if that worked out for Gerald Friedman or if he withdrew his, his option for that when he dropped the, his name from the MacGyver pilot. Well, well it's, I, think, I think you have to be a creative force on the show as well. Sure, that's true. So, so like, like, and he wasn't a producing agent on, on the original right. series, now, whereas could, James Wan will be a producer on the new exactly. one. Exactly. And yeah. if you look at shows like Lost, where J.J. Abrams did the pilot, right. or even more recently, uh, Revolution, where Jon Favreau directed the pilot because oh, he's okay. one of the producers. Right. So he directed the pilot because it's a standard part of this deal mm-hmm. that you would then get a subsequent residual for every episode that is created, even though you aren't a part of it because you're a producer. And for you MacGyver purists who are, who might be worried that this is going to be a deviation from the original series, you'll be happy to hear that Henry Winkler will also be on as an EP yeah. for the series. And um, just judging purely from the interviews that we've done in the past, it sounds like he's a very hands-on producer. Mm-hmm. He was on set a lot of the time. He was there in post for ADR records, and he was there all through the casting process for individual episodes of the show. So I have a feeling he would have the same hands-on approach to this because it's his, yeah. kind of his baby. I mean, yeah. as much as Lodoff did develop the character, Winkler is the one, and John Rich, obviously, who stuck with it for the entire run mm-hmm. of the show and were like there and a creative force in it. I'm kind of curious if he would be on it as well. Um, I'm, I'm surprised he never showed up in MacGyver. Yeah, well, I still think that's weird. I, I think it's probably too too close to his still to his era of fame. Right, that's possible. Like, like he he maybe he didn't want to people thinking that he was the Fonz. Kind of like Nicolas Cage. Like I'm not going to go by Coppola. Let's yeah. just I'm going to be Nicolas Cage and see how I do on my own. Like I'm exactly. not going to rely on that celebrity. But now, like it, we're accustomed to seeing him on TV. Right. Yeah. And so it wouldn't be a surprise. And I think back to like Twin Peaks. 
where uh, David Lynch slowly started to appear as a character on the show. Right. And he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, David Lynch, not a lot of people knew what he looked like. Probably people didn't even realize that that was the creator of the show. Yeah, yeah. He was playing a character. But I could see him playing kind of a quirky, bizarre character that MacGyver knows or goes to. It's kind of like um, Tina Fey on, on Kimmy Schmidt. She didn't yeah. show up until, like, the last couple episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or uh, even, like, this is kind of a weird, this is totally unrelated, but I was thinking, like, kind of an obscure character that comes in once in a while, like uh, John Astin's character on Briscoe County. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, like just this weird character who shows up now and then, but, you know, he's a very famous person. Yeah. But uh, either way, we're excited about it, and uh, we hope you are, too. Um, we'll obviously be following up with, with yeah. more updates in the oh, future yeah. um, as, as this story unfolds. Hopefully, everything goes according to plan, and this actually comes to fruition. Because oh, I would I love so. to see a new MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Even if it's terrible, I would love to see a new MacGyver. Just, to see, just, see, just have new content. Yeah, just like, to have I new mean, stuff to review. I mean, once we finish the original series, we'll go through the TV movies. We'll probably cover the young MacGyver pilot. Yeah. And I do still want to go over MacGruber. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's happening. Uh, but then, uh, but that's, that would be the end of it unless this thing actually comes through. So fingers crossed, we're mm-hmm. going to get some more episodes of the podcast out of this, out of this new, um, this new uh, unfolding information. And uh, yeah, but um, I think that's everything we wanted to say about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, we're just super excited. Yeah. And uh, all right, well, we'll let you get back to uh, the, the very end of this episode. And, uh, and we'll talk with you guys later. Bye. All right, I think that's about it for uh, Season 2, Episode 16, Out in the Cold. And we'll actually see more footage of this later this season. I have to flash back to this mm-hmm. in the, at the end of DOA MacGyver a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to share your thoughts with us on uh, this episode or future episodes you can find us on twitter at opening gambit you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash phoenix foundation podcast and you can always find us on our website phoenixfoundationpodcast.com tune in next week we're going to be covering season two episode 17 dalton jack of spies yeah. uh, we get bruce mcgill back in the yes. back in the picture although it does play as a semi-clip show for the first half but yeah we'll get into that uh thank you for listening bye